0: Now that we're done with the announcements, let's go right into the word and I want to share something that I believe is important to know in the time that we are living. You know, every week when I speak, I say it's important, it's necessary, this is very important. And if you look at the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, every verse is important. You know, sometimes you can look at the book of Leviticus or the Book of Chronicles and say, all these genealogies, all these law does not make sense to me. But when you study it carefully, you will learn a lot of things that are very important and very vital for your spiritual life. And so this morning, I want to share something with you on the subject called spiritual disciplines, on the subject called spiritual discipline, which I believe, again, it's important in the time that we are living. I'm going to talk more about this. But before that, let's turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read from chapter 12 and from chapter 14 and we're going to learn about spiritual disciplines. This is a very important chapter in the Bible when it comes to spiritual gifts like prophesying, speaking in tongues or any other gifts of ministration. And this is really important for us to know because uh, in the time that we are living there is a greater emphasis on spiritual gifts and the word of God is de-emphasized. You know, it's less emphasized in the time we are living. And so when we understand what Paul is writing here, we will get to know that the issues that are plaguing the church was also there very much prevalent in the first century AD. And we look at the church at Corinth, it's a a church that is so good and also a church that is very chaotic. And Paul writes instruction, counsel on how to be disciplined in the church. Amen. So if you return with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, Paul says like this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. I want to give you a background of what's happening here because from this background and from the text, we will be able to draw a lot of lessons. The biggest issue in the church at Corinth was that they loved spiritual gifts and they celebrated them. Now, when you think of that, there's nothing wrong with spiritual gifts because gifts are something that God gives to whomever he chooses. But what happened in the church at Corinth was that, let's say, if you had a spiritual gift, or let's say you had the gift of speaking in tongues, and if you were to visit the church, church of Corinth, you will be kept at a certain level. It's like, oh, this man can speak in tongues, so he's at a certain spiritual level. And if another person goes where he can prophesy, then he will be put at an altogether another level. So they will look at a person speaking in tongues and say, Oh, he's great. They will look at a person speaking uh, words of prophecy and they will say, Oh, he is awesome and he's totally on another level because he can prophesy. The problem here with the church at Corinth was that gift became more of a status thing than as a tool to serve God's people. Let me say that again. The problem with the church at Corinth was that gift became a status thing. It, it became a thing of status where if you did a certain thing, if you could prophesy or do something, that means you are celebrated, that means you are idolized, you are separated and you looked, at, looked as if you just came from heaven. It became a thing of status in the church you see in today's world if you are a pastor and can prophesy you will receive many invitations to preach in different churches you'll be treated at a very different level in fact i i know personally you know people who who are booked for meetings and then were asked can you prophesy and they said no i don't do that i just preach the word and i believe they said i believe preaching goes along with prophesying because as you preach, you can also prophesy. And eventually what they did is they said, okay, if that's the case, then we'll have to cancel your meeting. You have to cancel your booking because we need someone who can prophesy. We need someone who can tell me what the color of my car is <laughs> or the, uh, what my bank balance is. I personally know people whose meetings were canceled because they couldn't, you know, prophesy like the world expects them to like the church expects them to what we see happening in our church today and what we see happening in the church at Corinth has a lot of similarities gifts well celebrated and the word of God was de-emphasized and so there was a lot of chaos that was happening in the church and Paul steps in writes a word of counsel saying hey listen be disciplined in your approach to the word, in your approach to being in the church. Because if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and read the last verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the last verse, it says like this, but all things should be done, how? Decently and in order. What's what's Paul's closing point here about spiritual gifts? He says, let all things should be done decently and in order. This is something that's really, really important for all of us to understand because oftentimes spiritual gifts can take a very high place in the church. And when a spiritual gift becomes a very important thing in the church, more than the word of God, we are stepping into a very dangerous line. We're stepping into a very dangerous line. Let me just give you an example. You see, uh, some churches, now I consider Hope City to be a Pentecostal church. Whether it may seem like it or not, we believe we are a Pentecostal church. But at the same time, we don't do certain things. We don't speak in tongues during worship. We don't speak in tongues publicly. Though there are many in church that can speak in tongues. We believe strongly that according to the word, speaking in tongues is a private gift. You do it when you're all by yourself. But when you come into a congregation, it's not allowed. It's not good for the church. Because Paul says everything should be done in order and in discipline. Sometimes what can happen is in, in, in certain church services, they will dedicate 30 or 20 or at least 10 minutes for speaking in tongues. The question we must step back and ask is, does anyone understand? Does anyone understand? Paul here is setting a discipline in the church, setting a standard in the church because we're in a public place. Anybody can walk into the church and if you're uttering something that nobody understands, what's going to happen? People who come to the church will go back empty, will go back wondering what's happening. You see, I've, I've, I've heard of meetings, I've been in certain meetings where a new believers, new, you know, someone who was, an atheist, just came to explore Christianity. And they came into the meeting and they saw this pastor speaking in tongues for 10 minutes and they went back and never came again. You know why? You know why? Because they came to a place, they felt like something strange is happening that they don't understand. But if the church were to exercise caution and discipline, I tell you, we will be able to win more souls to Christ. In many cases, you know, what happens is they take this gift to an other extreme where they say, you know what, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. If you don't speak in tongues, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, the Bible never says that. I'm going to talk more about that, but I want to let you know, the Bible never says that the sign of your salvation is that you speak in tongues. It's never the case. There is a spiritual discipline that often churches miss at times because they feel like when I speak in tongues or when I do something, I feel like the Holy Spirit is moving. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is not looking for a song, is not looking for some words to be uttered so that he can come. Holy Spirit is not a, is not a, a genie or a, or a magic spirit where you have to use code words. The Bible says, where two or three are gathered in my name, who will be there? I will be there. So when you come here with a heart that is genuine, seeking the Lord, let me tell you, Holy Spirit is already here in this place. You don't have to sing, welcome Holy Spirit seven times. You know, some, some take that to be a little, like you have to sing, welcome Holy Spirit before the service to welcome the Holy Spirit. You don't have to. The Bible never says that. What the Bible teaches is you step into the church with a heart that is seeking God the heart that is earning for the Lord. And guess what will happen? The Holy Spirit will come. Amen. What God is looking for is a genuine heart, not for words to come out of a man's mouth or a woman's mouth. We have to be careful that when we come into a church, when we partake in a spiritual fellowship, there's a lot of discipline that we have to remember and follow. And that is what Paul is teaching the church here. He is saying a lot of things concerning how they should exercise the gift with carefulness. With carefulness. When I look at the modern prophetic movements, now before I say anything about prophecy, let me say this. I am not against prophecy. I am absolutely not against prophecy. I believe that prophecy does exist. It does work even till today. I am not against prophecy. However, When I look at the modern prophetic movements, I believe it's not in line with what the Bible says. Modern prophetic movements are nothing like what biblical prophecy is. In fact, modern prophetic movements have more to do with astrology. Have has more to do with Eastern religions than with biblical faith. And it disturbs me because I see people rallying behind prophets, prophets. They're waiting for that one prophetic word to change their lives. They're waiting for that as if it's the greatest thing ever. I tell you, when Jesus comes, many are gonna be disappointed because he will come and say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Imagine hearing that from God, it's over, you know, that's, that's gone. Modern prophetic moments have nothing to do with the Bible, with the Bible. In fact, personally, I have observed this. Now, as I share this, I want you to know I'm not sharing my personal frustration. This is a subject I've researched for years together years together and I've, I speak a lot on demonology, most of you know that, I speak a lot on these prophetic movements, I do that because I, I sit at home and study them, I watch them, I carefully observe them. And I've been a pastor's kid for 30 years now, from the time I was born till now, and some of you know my age, I know I'm quite young, but you know, I've been there, I know I've, I've seen a lot of things. And I know when I see something that is very different to the Bible and I can say it over and over and over again. Modern profiting movements have nothing to do with the Bible. Let me give you this one clue. If someone comes to you and says, Thus says the Lord, turn in the other direction. Because they're using a phrase that they don't know what it means. See, the Old Testament prophets use the statement, Thus says the Lord, Because that was truly the word of God. See, we do not have the Bible like it was in the Old Testament. Sorry, the Old Testament, they do not have the Bible like we have. And so whatever the prophets uttered were eventually part of the word. It was the Holy Spirit speaking directly through them. So if anybody needed a word of counsel, they would approach the priest or the prophet. And they would utter the word of the Lord by saying, thus says the Lord. And that was a statement that said this is the authentic word of the Lord. But now in the New Testament period, it is different, prophecy has become a different thing. Because we have the word of God, we know how to discern, we have the counsel that we need. And now the statement, thus says the Lord, cannot be used anymore. Because we do not live in the Old Testament time where the Bible wasn't there. I hope you're getting this. So whenever you hear someone say, thus says the Lord, Say thank you for what you're going to say. I'm not encouraging you to mock at prophecy, but there is a danger if you keep your eyes or ears open to every kind of prophecy because it will mislead you in the wrong direction. As I share this message with you, my desire is that, that you will learn ways to discern these gifts because I see people who have been for 10 years 15, 20 years as Christians but still are not aware as to how to discern these spiritual gifts or these prophecies or these utterances that they see. Many are getting carried away. In fact, this is one of the, one of the signs of the end times is that signs and wonders will increase. Can I say that again? One of the signs of the end times is signs and wonders will increase. And let me also put it this way, it's also the spirit of Antichrist. You might be saying, What are you saying, Pastor? Let me let me turn your attention to the word. It says in Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse nine, what does it say? Can somebody read that passage? Second Corinthians chapter two, mm-hmm. verse nine. 2 Thessalonians 2 9, is that the verse? 2 Thessalonians 2 9. It's the last verse in the list. Yes. So, how will it be when Antichrist comes? How will it be when Antichrist comes? The coming of Antichrist, coming of lawless one, is by the activity of Satan. How? With all powers, false signs and wonders. So, in the last days, what you will see or witness is an increasing signs and wonders. And you must understand, it's also a sign that accompanies the Antichrist. But sometimes people will look at that and think, oh, the revival is here, but revival is not here. Who is here? Antichrist. When we learn to discipline ourselves when it comes to spiritual gifts, we can stay in the word. But if we are unaware of these things, what will happen is when the deception comes, we will also be swept away. I believe strongly that in the last days, in the last days which we are living in, many who follow spiritual gifts, prophecy and all these things will be misled by antichrist in fact some will even look to him as a leader or as a man who is doing signs and wonders because the church if you've heard of dominion theology the church is looking for domination there are certain churches that preach saying that we have to dominate the seven mountains and one of those mountains is the government we have to we have to get into the government, we have to become leaders and rulers and all that. So the Antichrist will come with signs and wonders, which many will think, oh, this is from the Lord. Second, he will be a government leader. What a combination. <laughs> many will think that he's a Christian leader, but who is he? He is against Christ. When we are disciplined with how we see and use spiritual gifts, I tell you, we will be safe in the word, But if we let our guard down, if we let it loose, then we'll come to a point where we will be greatly disappointed. So Paul speaks to the church at Corinth. Paul speaks to the church of Corinth and he lays down certain disciplines, certain rules in their church. Amen. Are you with me so far? Are you with me so far? Amen. So he's, I just gave this as an introduction and I want to lay down a couple of things that are... Uh, vital that will help you understand. Now, a couple of things that we can learn from this passage is that when you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and if you start from verse 4 to verse 26, Paul lays down the first discipline, the first principle here of how to conduct ourselves and how to discipline the use of our spiritual gifts, because some of you might have a gift of prophecy. And it's good. I, I, I encourage you to use it. Some of you might have the gift of speaking in tongues. And I don't forbid speaking in tongues. In your private time, speak in tongues. Some of you might have a different kind of gift, a gift of serving. Use it. Whatever your gift is, use it. But here's what you need to understand. And this is the first thing that we see. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, it says like this, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service but the same Lord and there are varieties of activities but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. What do we see here? In the first part of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, what we see here is this. The principle that Paul lays down is this, that all are equal. It doesn't matter what gift you have. It doesn't matter what you can do. In the church, it doesn't matter what you possess. Whatever it is, remember, you are not greater than anyone else in the church. In fact, everyone is equal. I can preach, I can prophesy, I can minister to you week after week. But guess who I'm? Who I am? I'm same as you. I am on your level. I'm not on a different level that you should see me as. Oh, he's a god. No, I'm, I'm the same as you. That's Paul's point here. Whatever gift you practice. You are equal to everyone. If there is a person who can speak in tongues and another person who cannot, if there is a person who can prophesy and another person who cannot, they're all still equal. Because the problem again with the church at Corinth was that they celebrated gifts so much that if there was a person without the spiritual gift, then they will be left out in the church. You know, they will be separated and often that will result in something like this. For example, if a person has a gift of speaking in tongues, and if another person does not have the gift of speaking in tongues, and when the, this person is celebrated, it's like, oh, you're awesome, you can speak in tongues, but look at this man, I don't know, maybe he's committed some sin, not able to speak. You know what this person will eventually do? He will start to utter things like a copy. You know, he'll just copy what others are saying, and will start speaking. They will give in to that pressure. May not be by the Holy Spirit, but because they want to be part of the crowd, they will give in to that. It is happening in churches today where people who cannot, people who cannot speak in tongues are kept outside the church. Because you know why? They feel like they are not truly saved. There are people who cannot speak in tongues are copying what others speak and are going and speaking, so that they can be part of the crowd. You know how dangerous that is? Paul sets the principle, he says, everybody is equal. Whether you can do something or you cannot do, everybody is equal. What this also led to in the church at Corinth was that there was a huge division. So the ones who can prophesy are one gang. There was a prophetic gang in the church. And there was one who can speak in tongues, they were a certain gang. People with different gifts, a different gang. A people with nothing, they were in a different gang. The, The church was split over all these issues and Paul lays down the first principle saying, whatever you do, whether you can speak, preach, teach, prophesy, minister in serving or any way, remember everyone is equal. And he goes on to talk more about how the body is. Because when you look at the hand, the hand cannot say, since I am not the I. The hand cannot say, I'm not important. The eye cannot say, since I'm not the leg, I'm not important. Paul says, even the smallest part of your body, to the major portion of your body, everything is vital for your sustenance. And so what it means here is that everyone is equal. If you read verse 26 at the end of it, he says like this, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that how the church is supposed to be? When one person suffers, all suffer together. When one member is honored, all rejoice. So so many times you see the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit can become a reason why people are divided can become the reason why the church is divided. But we must understand no matter what we possess, what's really important is that you are no greater than anyone else. You are the same as everyone else. So that's the first thing that we learn in this passage. The second thing, the second discipline that we can learn from here is this. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 to verse 31. Let me read verse 27 to you, 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Verse 28, Now and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. And verse 29, he puts across a question which is really important to understand. Verse 29, he says... Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. What is Paul trying to say here? Do all prophesy? This is a rhetoric question, which means the answer is going to be default, No. Do all speak in tongues? No. The point that he is making here is that in the church, in the body of Christ, not everybody will possess the same gift. Which means there will be one person who can speak in tongues another person who cannot. There will be one person who can minister in a certain way others cannot. There will be one person who can prophesy and others cannot. The Thing that we need to understand is not everybody possesses the same gift. In fact, God gives it to whom He chooses. Sometimes people come under so much of pressure. Oh, somehow if I can just speak in tongues, you know, I can marry that person. If I can, someone just you know, somehow just do something, I can be at a better place in the church. The Bible never says that. In fact, what the Bible teaches is not everybody possesses the same gift. Some can teach, some can preach, some can prophesy, some can speak in tongues, but not everybody can do everything. And as a body of Christ, what do we do? We all come together with various gifts and we are united with one purpose in mind. So when when it comes to spiritual gifts, we have to understand that not everybody possesses uh, the same gift. It's different for each and everybody and there is no reason for anybody to be frowned or looked down upon because they do not have a certain gift. This is a second principle to understand. Not everybody is given the same gift. Is that clear? Now I know some questions might be coming into your mind and you can ask me later after the service and I'll be more than happy to answer these questions. Like I said again, Hope City Church, I look at it as a Pentecostal church. And I come from that same background, and, and, uh, but we are more bound to the word. We are not bound to feelings. We don't believe that spirituality is a feeling. Worship is not a feeling, it's a commitment. Serving God is a commitment, not a feeling. Oh, I feel like worshipping God today, so I'm going to go to church. And then one day, you won't feel like going to church. So what will you do? Will you listen to your feelings? Feelings are not the important thing. What's important is to live by the word. And that's what we emphasize in this church. So the second principle that we saw is not everybody possesses the same gift. All right? Is that clear? Now, these are passages that I would like you to go home and read and and learn more about this. And I'm giving this to you as an introduction, uh, as an idea as to what these principles are. Because one thing that I've often seen is that, First Corinthians is often misinterpreted, uh, and people take it in a very different direction. I've heard some of the interpretations, and uh, my experience personally with the book of Corinthians is this is one book that I've personally studied a lot. I don't know why I did that when I was in college. I, I just did it. I you know, went, through, went through it over and over and over again. And I've taught on this book, and uh, I speak with confidence knowing that this is what the word actually means. Okay, not in any way, in any way else. Third principle, third principle. Paul now talks about the use of tongues in church. Now we come to First Corinthians chapter 14 and he begins to talk about the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy, prophesying in church. Now tongue is a gift that some of you might have and some the Lord fills us with. And when we speak tongues, we utter mysteries in the spirit. And even when we speak, or even when you hear someone speak, you don't understand anything, but God understands. It's a mystery. The word tongues is, comes from the word glosa, which means language in Greek. That is what it means. And what Paul is saying here in First Corinthians chapter 14 is that in a public space, if you do not have interpretation, avoid speaking. In other words, no interpretation, no speaking in public. And what he does is that he encourages people to speak in private, in private. Because when you come to a church setting, and if you're gonna speak something that nobody understands, what is gonna happen is nobody will be edified, but rather people will just walk away thinking, what really happened? I don't know, I'm not sure. I just heard someone say something made no sense. So in First Corinthians chapter 14, verse one, he begins like this saying, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Now, he's speaking in the context of a church. And verse 2, he says like this, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks, to, speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Verse 4 he says the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself but the one who prophesies builds up the church. And verse 5 now, now I want you all to speak in tongues but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. And verse 6. He says like this, now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I I benefit you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? It's a question here that makes us think that if a pastor were to step on stage and speak in tongues, the question we have to ask is, how does it benefit the church? How does it benefit the church? Because... Gifts are given for a certain purpose, and they have its value when you use it at its place, in the right way, in the right sense. And so Paul is saying, if I come to you, if I come to you with a word of something, with a revelation, and I say this is an awesome revelation, and then I start speaking in tongues, what, will you, what are you going to understand? What will you understand? And he says, when, it, when you speak in tongues, make sure there's an interpretation. And if there is no interpretation, avoid it because it does not edify the public. What we, hear, what we can learn from this passage is that when you come together as a church, fellowship, you have to keep in mind that there are people and that everyone has to be edified. And for everyone to be edified, I have to speak, or we have to speak something that everyone understands. So the key here is, Public edification is priority. Edification of the church as a whole is a priority. It's not that I can get on stage and I can speak and I may feel strong in my spirit, but the person who is listening will go back empty. And let me tell you something, God is not like that. That's not decency and that is not order. It is like going to meet someone, you know, you say, oh, bro, let's come, you know, come, let's meet in a cafe and you go sit next to them and start talking in things that you do not know about, that they don't understand and even you don't understand. What's going to happen? People will walk away. I tell you, many have walked away from churches today because of a lack of discipline when it comes to spiritual gifts. Many have left the church because they see the church is all about money. All about these things, all about prophecy, all about, you know... Recently, you know, last year... During the COVID times, there was one preacher on TV saying... I know it's a tough time, but don't stop your offerings. (laughs) I know it's a tough time, but don't stop giving. (laughs) Businesses are shut. People have lost their livelihood. And there's a preacher here demanding that you still keep giving. that's an indisciplined activity you've got to understand you've got to understand that there are going to come times when people are not able to give don't pressurize them don't demand from them in fact I'm going to speak more about giving in the coming week of what biblical giving actually is many a time it says give to the Lord and how many of you know that verse give and it shall be given to you press down Shaken together, running over, right? And that verse does not talk about offering. It talks about forgiveness, (laughs) which nobody wants to preach because, you know, you have to forgive somebody. But to talk about, you know, offering, that verse is often used. Give and it shall be given to you. The giving there is forgiving, not money, not offering. So you have to be careful of all these things because when we do not follow spiritual discipline, people who walk into the church, will leave and never come back again. And God is going to question us for that. Are you with me so far? God will question when one soul comes and returns back in bitterness. How we conduct our church, how we conduct ourselves in public is really important. Paul says in Philippians 27, live your life worthy of the gospel. In other words, when you live, people should watch and learn from you. They shouldn't look at you and think, what is he saying? I don't understand, bro, I don't, understand. I don't get anything. It should never be like that, but rather people should learn from you. So Paul is talking about saying you know, in a church setting, it's better you prophesy. Use prophecy than tongues, because tongues nobody understands. You are edified, public is not edified. So what we learn here is public edification is the key. When you get on stage, Do something that people are edified, that people are blessed with. Okay, that is the third thing. The final thing is this. The final gift that Paul kind of touches on in chapter 14 is prophecy. In in verse 3, 14 verse 3, he says, The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So what prophecy does is that it edifies the church. It edifies the church. That is what happens when true prophecy comes. So Paul's encouragement is when you come into a public space, use a public gift like prophecy to enrich, to encourage the church. Now all of us have experienced prophetic words and someone has laid their hands over you and I've uttered prophetic words. And it's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But the Bible also lays down a lot of guidelines regarding prophecy. If you go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20, 1 Thessalonians 5, 20, it says like this, do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. What happened in the church of Thessalonica is that there was this situation that people started despising prophecy. They started saying, hey, listen, prophecy Who wants to listen to that? This man simply keeps uttering something. Paul says, don't despise prophecy. So when someone comes to you with a word from the Lord, don't despise them. Don't don't turn your face away from them. Listen to what they are saying. And then the Bible goes on to say in in verse 20, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 20, it's 21. It says, but test everything. And this is the key thing. So, the discipline regarding prophecy is, what you have to do is test everything. Somebody will come to you and say, Sister, the Lord is speaking to me right now. I see a boy, fair, he's tall, handsome, he's got a good job. And the Lord says that right now, he's making ways so that you can meet that person. And I pray that you receive it in Jesus' name. And you are like, wow, God, I've been praying for a man and here's a word of prophecy. I'm so glad I got this because I'm going to meet that man who is tall, fair, handsome, got a good job. Analyze that. Analyze the prophecy. What is it? If anybody comes and says he's tall, he's fair and handsome, everybody wants him. Who doesn't want <laughs> Or if someone comes and tells you to the men that, you know, there's a girl who's very beautiful, very fair. Uh, and the Lord says she's the one for you. And you are, you know, you'll be scanning through the church. Who's the tall, who's the beautiful one, who's the, you know, pretty one. When, when someone comes and utters something to you, test it. Even before you take it into your system, into your spirit. When someone comes to you and says something, analyze what they are saying. And let me give you one key. When it comes to relationships, don't look for a prophetic word. Okay. When it comes to relationships, I've, I've spoken a lot about relationships in church. That relationships are something where you have to pursue a person. The person does not fall from heaven. Okay. People are waiting for their better off for the Lord to reveal it to them. And they are still 33 plus waiting for their man. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you something, they will never meet that man. You know why? Because God is not going to show. And you know why God doesn't show? Because marriage is different. You've got to pursue somebody. You've got to look at a person and say, Lord, I feel like this could be the person. What is your guidance? Slowly, you'll find that guidance. It's never like I was sitting in my room and the Lord just showed me a person. And nowadays, the word download is used. Have you heard of it? In the modern prophetic, I just received a download. You know, I, I work a lot with computers and I I was in a certain place and they said, I'm waiting for my download. Basically, they said, I'm waiting for a prophetic word. <laughs> and I couldn't control my laughter because, you know, it's a term used to content, you know, download some content from the server and they're using that for prophetic. It's different. That's why I say modern prophecy has nothing to do with the Bible. It has more to do with astrology. So when word of prophecy comes, the discipline, the key thing here is tested. Is it from the Lord? And one key that I will give you here is that whenever a prophecy comes to you, one of the ways that you know it is true is that God will be already dealing with you in that certain area. God will be dealing with you in a certain area and someone will come and say a word of prophecy and that will confirm what God has already been speaking to you. Okay, can I say that again? The way to analyze and know it's from the Lord is that this will be something that God is already doing in your life and someone will come and confirm the same thing to you. That's another way that you can know that this is truly from the Lord. For instance, you know, years ago when I stepped into ministry, I've shared this story many times, but years ago when I stepped into ministry, I landed in the wrong church in Mangalore. I landed—I wouldn't call it the wrong church. It was a good pastor, a good congregation, but it was the wrong place for me. And so I was, one day I was very disturbed in my spirit and I said, Lord, speak to me. If you want me to leave this place, speak to me. And within a few hours, a man came and he said, son, you're going in the wrong direction. Where are you going? He asked. I was shocked. I was shocked. I was thinking, <laughs> how is this possible? And, and he clearly, he, see, I have, I have personally heard proper Biblical prophecies, Biblical based prophecy and it is nothing like the current day's prophecy. The current day's prophecy is that, you know, it's more to do with your personal prosperity, more to do with your finances, more to do with certain things that you are, you know, that it it satisfies your greed more than your spiritual life. And people will come and say, you know, God sees your debt and he's going to cancel your debt. God never cancels your debt, by the way. I want you to know that God will never cancel your debt. There is a prayer for debt cancellation. It never happens. You, you borrow money from somewhere, you work two jobs and pay it off. That's a biblical principle. Debt never gets cancelled in Jesus' name. And these are modern prophecies that God is going to cancel your debt. God is going to put money into your account. God never does that. Because for a money to come, it has to have a certain source. And it has to be accounted for. Otherwise, what is it called? It's black money. And you think God will put black money into your account? <laughs> there's a video that I saw of a church in Bangalore. It's like this man is prophesying, saying, there's miracle money in your account. And this man comes and he says, this account that I've closed, it was closed for the past two years, now, I have received a 40,000 deposit. How is that possible? Will God do such things? Absolutely not. That's not prophecy, that is, that is magic. And I've, I've studied a lot of movements very carefully and what I've learned is that many of, modern, many of the modern prophets, and I can point some names to you, but I'll keep it for a different time. Many modern prophets that we see, especially the ones who come from Africa, have links with witchcraft. They, are, they participate in demonic rituals and come to the church, they lift their hand, people are slain in the spirit and everybody thinks it's the Holy Spirit, it's not. And there was a pastor who was part of that and he came out of that completely and he describes how the rituals happen. And how these people come and prophesy in church. You'll be shocked to know that a lot of what you're seeing, witnessing. Recently, I saw this thing where, can I take a few minutes? Is that okay? You all can I take five 10 minutes? Recently, I saw this thing on TV where they were praying for weight loss, miracle weight loss. We're going to pray and you'll feel some heat in your body. The vibration and some will be fat will be burnt away. I can tell you I've been a Christian all my life, it never happens. You can, <laughs> like you'll, you'll go and eat whatever you want and you want the Lord to decrease your weight. Who is God? Is he a weight loss expert? Who is God? Is he, is he your physical trainer? No, he's God. Give him the respect that is due. I see in that meeting one man comes and he says, oh, my when I came I was feeling heavy, but all of a sudden I'm feeling very light. You know, when you you enter a worship session and you, you know, clap your hands and praise God for some time and you're excited, you jump around a little bit, you walk around a little bit, what you're doing is you're doing some physical activity. After five minutes, you will feel light. What you're doing in the gym, also you're doing in the church, you know, you're just moving around, giving your body some physical activity, you will feel light. That doesn't mean you lost weight. God never moves that way. Many times when I, when I hear these prophetic movements, God is reduced to this, uh, you know, this Aladdin, the lamb, the genie. He's reduced to that kind of sort. Of, he's not, is God. He's, you know, when you, when you see, when, when Israel saw God coming down on the Mount Sinai, they were trembling with fear. In fact, you go back in history and look at that mount where the Lord descended, the top part of that is dark. Because his presence came down. That how, that's how glorious God is. And you cannot reduce him to any magician. And modern prophetic movements, I would say, disrespects God. It does not honor him in any way. There was, there was a man of man whom I know I spoke to him in the city, in this man, city of Mangalore. He used to cast demons, he used to pray for the sick. He used to, he will tell you your house number. The street, he will tell you the direction. He's got Google Maps downloaded in him. <laughs> he will tell you the direction. He'll tell you a car number. He'll tell you the color of your car. And that same family found out that this man is into witchcraft. Happened in this city, in Mangalore. We, we may hear someone say what our account number is, and we may get excited. But that's not the spirit of the Lord. It's a spirit of Antichrist. And like I said said earlier in the sermon, Antichrist is coming. And how is this coming going to be? Filled with signs and wonders. And when people are drawn more to signs and wonders, what will happen is, when the Antichrist comes, there will be a group of Christians following him. There will be a bunch of Christians that will run after Antichrist because he does signs and wonders. Recently I heard this other story that a pastor was called to preach in the church. And before preaching, he was told... Don't talk about Jesus. We want to see signs and wonders. Don't talk about Jesus. But just demonstrate signs and wonders. That is what the church is coming down to. That is what the church is coming down to. It's a spirit of antichrist that is taking over churches. Where they will see more and more signs and wonders. I tell you when antichrist comes the dead will will raise to life. Things will happen in the church. And they will think. Finally a great man has come but who will he be? Antichrist Now we used to think when Antichrist comes all the Christians will be against him. No There will be a bunch of Christians who will go behind him in the last days Deception will increase and if you're not disciplined in our spiritual life If we do not know how to handle these things we will be carried away by everything So when anyone comes to you with a word of prophecy test everything and Paul goes on to say hold fast what is good which means you test everything take what is not required throw it out maybe there is something good hold on to that but test it even before you accept anything in your system you see first john chapter 4 verse 1 warns us like this saying beloved do not believe every spirit but test the spirit to see whether they are from god for many false prophets have gone out into the world in Matthew seven fifteen, it says like this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. When someone comes to you with a word of prophecy about your life, what you should do is this. Ask the Lord to confirm that to you through his word. Ask the Lord. Don't accept it unless God confirms it to you. Don't confirm... See, when God truly speaks, it will happen. Nobody can change that. When I was in age standard, I attended a church, and this pastor told me, you are going to be a pastor. He prophesied. He said, I'm seeing many churches behind you. And after that, I totally went away from Christ. I didn't want to be part of a church. I hated church. I hated church ministries. I would not sit for more than 20 minutes inside the church. That is how I was. But look where I stand today. That word that was spoken that day came true. When true prophecy comes, it will surely be fulfilled. But when false prophecies comes it will give you a false hope, and that false hope will lead you away from Christ. Many have gone away from the Lord. And maybe learn to be disciplined when it comes to our life, when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to prophecy. We must understand it's vital to test everything. It's vital to test everything. Because what will happen in the last days, is that the spirit of antichrist will exalt the gifts, will exalt these gifts and will lower Christ, will lower the word. The word will be de-emphasized. Gifts will be exalted. When you see that happening, know that it's a spirit of antichrist, the spirit of the lawless one. I pray that church that you would continue to hold on to the Lord, hold on to his Word, be a person of the word. Spiritual gifts, this is how I see it personally. Spiritual gifts are secondary, but my Lord is the most important thing. You live with that passion for Christ, seek him. I tell you, you will live a blessed life. Your life will be the one that is built on the solid rock. Amen. Spiritual discipline is key. Four things that we learned today. What is the first one? What is the first one? All are equal. Second, not everybody possesses the same gift. Third use of tongues that is, we have to always do with interpretation, because the gift of tongues is not for a public space but for a private space, a private space. <laughs> now, as I say this, you know, there are many who have gone outside and said, uh, I don't know what Hope City Church is doing because they're quenching the spirit. (laughs) Because we don't speak in tongues in public and they say that we are quenching the spirit. And to be honest, I don't care what people say. But what I'm worried about and what bothers me is that some people from the church are taken out sometime and are told that we are quenching the spirit. And I don't want, you know, I, I share this because I love the church. I share this because I love the people that God has given me. And I, and I don't want any one of you to be deceived. People will one day come to you and say, Hope City Church, what is it? They start with a video clip. Who does a countdown? <laughs> Why can't they sing, welcome Holy Spirit? Why can't they invite God's presence? They just start on video, go into a song. What is this? Is it, is it the concert? People will come and say a lot of things. They will say, oh, I'm worried you're going to that church. They'll say a lot of things. People have said people have said some have been taken aside (laughs) and said that we are quenching the spirit and i want you to know i'm not trying to prove myself here but i want you to know that what we do in church is very biblical that what we do in church is something that is in line with the word because when it comes to spiritual gifts there is a discipline there is a discipline that needs to be followed and without discipline I can never serve Christ. I can tell you that. No discipline. Christ will not be pleased with you. And finally, what is the last principle that we learned? When it comes to prophecy, the key is to test it. The key is to test it. Because many times, I'll, I'll speak about another passage in the next session. We are out of time. But I'll, I'll share more with how profiting movements are born from man's heart or from the spirit of God. And I'll give some verses to prove that. Let's stand up in prayer, let's stand up in prayer. And can we make this our prayer saying, Master, I want to be more discerning. Can we make this our prayer saying, Master, I want to be more alert in my spirits. Can we tell the Lord God, I want to be disciplined when it comes to my spiritual life. I don't want to be someone who is careless with the spiritual gifts. And church, I encourage you, if you have a gift, use it. But use it with discipline. And when you're part of a fellowship, exercise caution everywhere you go. Because Paul ends the entire chapter in verse, chapter 14, verse 40, he says like this, but all things should be done how? Decently and in order. Everything should be done in decency and order. That is the hallmark of the church. When you come to a church, you should see an excellence. When you come to church, you should see a standard there. When you come to church, you should experience the word of God preached in its fullness. When you come to church, everybody should be benefited, not just one person. That is what church is. It's for people. And when we do it with discipline, I tell you, people will be blessed and they'll be sent back with their hearts filled with the spirit of the Lord can we make this our prayer saying God I want to be more discerning and I want to be more disciplined oh God that when I see something happening I should not be carried away but rather I should exercise caution I should test, analyze and know what your word teaches oh God help us oh God help us Oh God help us Father we pray that you renew us Inside out That if we've become Careless in our spiritual life Help us to exercise caution In everything that we do Help us to be strong In everything that we do Help us to be rooted in your word In everything that we do Help us to be disciplined By your word That we may live by it every day. That we may live by it We thank you, Jesus. We love you for what you've spoken to us through your word today. And we pray that this word will go deep into our hearts and will bear fruit. Master, we thank you. We love you. We give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. May the love of our Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us for now and forevermore amen and amen and amen can we give the lord a clap offering amen thank you for coming today and i pray that god will bless you with his word please go back home and take at least an hour read first corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14 back to back just go through it a couple of times you will learn a lot of things What I've shared with you is the background of these books or these chapters and it'll help you gain a proper insight into the text that is written there. So do spend some time. I highly encourage spend as a family and you'll learn a lot of things. Amen. God bless you. If you'd like to give an offering, offering back is kept at the back. You can give as you wish to give. God bless you. Have a blessed Sunday. God bless you.